This is a Dynamike Network podcast. Welcome to Max Destruction Podcast. This is your host, Ken. It is a new year, 2024, uh, and it would not be a new year without this podcast running into some some new challenges. Uh, unfortunately, my normal co-host, Dustin, is going to have to step away for a little while uh, due to some personal issues that... In- uh, we don't get paid for this, unfortunately, yet. Uh, as soon as we do start getting paid for it, we could probably take it a hell of a lot more seriously. Uh, so uh, in that case, Dustin, do you, man. And when you want to come back, please come on back. Um, but do not despair. Of course, the, the podcast is going to continue because as long as they give me a microphone and an internet connection, I'm going to continue to spout off stupid crap to the internet and people are going to listen to it. Um on the, also, the plus side is that I have pretty much no shortage of, of people that want to talk about movies and action movies. And honestly, I could not think of a person more suited for this uh, than my dad. Uh, so Kenneth Sr. Uh, is, is here with us. Uh, for those of you that remember my last podcast, uh, he was my guest host for the Under Siege Review, uh, which was probably our most popular interview not for the movie itself because of one scene, and that was the only thing that he wanted to talk about. But uh, we'll get into that a little bit later. Uh, hey, Dad, how you doing? Pretty good. And yourself? Oh, not bad. It's, it's cold up here. Uh, so uh, uh, if you guys didn't know, originally from the Vegas area, and that's where my dad's still at, and he's in a T-shirt. And uh, shorts. Uh, and shorts, and it's and shorts. Uh, 20 degrees up here in Wisconsin. So that's, yeah. that's what we call life choices. Sucks to be you. <laughs> uh, for those of you who are wondering where I get it from, that's pretty much it. Um, <laughs> so, Dad, I invited you on kind of last minute uh, because the pairing that I had come up today, I, I could not have really think of anybody else that I'd want to talk uh, about with more. Uh, of course, it's Dirty Harry uh, versus the Dolph Lundgren Punisher. Now, the reason why I went with the Dolph Lundgren Punisher is because, one, there's really no other opportune time to talk about the Punisher when it comes to movie version uh, than this. Uh, and he's probably the least capable Punisher. Uh, so I think that bodes well for you. Uh, did considering they even get a Punisher with Dolph Lundgren? Oh, my God. Yes, Dad, they did. Uh, it, <laughs> and we'll talk, we'll talk about that later. I'm pretty sure you and I won't. Never mind. Regardless of that. Uh well, like I said, we'll, we'll hit that up later. Um, as far as action movies and really kind of any movies, I, I got a lot of my uh, tastes, uh, as, as my audience knows, from you and just watching films with you. So uh, if you'd like to go ahead and talk about that a little bit, I'll, I'll, I'll give you the floor. Well, I'm I, I'm I'm glad that you did get my taste for movies. Um, I tried raising you right, you know. Inspector uh, Callahan, John Wayne, you know, all the oldies, but uh, definitely the goodies. 
um, anything with um, death and destruction, and uh, definitely anything with boobs and butts. So, you know, I like cake. So if anybody remembers that one, yeah, that's it. That's it. Yeah. yeah so. <laughs> Yes, many many a day sitting there watching movies with you that you know kids these days are now marshmallows and snowflakes couldn't couldn't deal with a, a normal looking gun in in any kind of film and you and I were watching this stuff when I was like six uh, so that's that's how I turned out and that's I think I did pretty good uh, I'm I'm not going to complain all that much well I, I, I'm glad to hear it because like I told you before you guys didn't come out with stereo instructions so. Um... You know, I, I did what I thought was right. And like I said, it works for me that and works for our audience. Cause that's why I have a podcast, uh, and, uh, and, and can speak intelligently about a lot of things, namely mo- movies, action, guns, things like that. So before we get into anything else though, I'm going to go ahead and introduce our, our, our third wheel. Now, again, unfortunately for Dustin, uh, Geo is still here. Uh, and dad Geo is my, my AI that, introduces sections that allow me to not have to say the same things. So without further ado, we'll throw it to Gio. Yes, I am here, you assholes. <laughs> At this point, I think my deli is way more popular than either of you folks. Destruction Deli specializes in cold cuts and insightful collateral damage assessments. So, so you got a robot. I do. Uh, and okay. he's an awesome robot. Uh, okay. <laughs> he he runs the destruction deli, which is normally where our characters will fight. Uh, and then at the end, when we talk about the collateral damage assessment, it's usually whatever happens during the our fight to this poor bastard's deli. Uh, now he has since had to move out of the New York City area because he's run through way too many insurance adjusters to like rebuild his shit. Uh, and he moved to Connecticut, but likely he's going to have to move out of there as well because his, his shit just keeps getting pushed in, which is funny. Um, but, you know, unfortunate for him. All right. So before we get into the actual uh, discussion of the characters, uh, we normally do a weekly audience matchup. We didn't have one for Christmas last year. So I'll just go ahead and throw it to you. Dad, is there any action hero or action character I've not talked about yet on this podcast that you'd like to see uh, have a, a spot in, in the near future? No, not not that I can think of. Um, you ain't got anybody nowadays you can talk about because you got the gay vampire from Batman and nobody wants to talk about him. Um, yeah, so... Nope, you're you're pretty good. All right. So and and as he's probably guessed, normally we throw that right on like, hey, why don't you think of a character like two seconds and then go ahead and throw it out there so you, you get a little taste of what we have to deal with on a on a weekly basis and it's always self inflicted. I always remember it at the last minute of what who I want to pick, but uh we'll get into that in a bit. All right, so before we move into the actual biography, we do it a little differently, which is through the tale of the cocoa butter. Here at the Max Destruction podcast and at the Destruction Deli, we use the tale of the cocoa butter as a measuring device. Think about it like the UFC's tale of the tape. The guys explain their characters' backgrounds, abilities, and equipment. And I use it to measure how many cannoli a person deserves. It's way more macho and 80s action than a stupid standard of measurement, don't you think? 
And it does. Uh, and as both of us enjoy a, a cannoli, uh, <laughs> I thought you might enjoy that. All right. So, Dad, why don't you go ahead and tell me a little bit about Inspector Harry Callahan? All right. Well, we're going to be talking about uh, Clint Eastwood's famous role as Inspector Harry Callahan. Uh, one of my favorites, by the way. Um, he's an inspector with the San Francisco Police Department. Um, not one of my favorites, but back in the day it was. Usually with a homicide department, although for disciplinary reasons, which I can't figure. Um, he's occasionally transferred to other less prominent units, such as personnel or stakeout. Yeah, stakeout's pretty damn boring, I'd imagine. Callahan's primary concern is protecting and avenging the victims of violent crime, which is my most favorite part. Through proficient at apprehending criminals, his methods are often unconventional. He's prepared to ignore the law and professional and ethical boundaries regarding them as needless red tape hampering justice. We could use a lot of that nowadays. When a group of men holding hostage in a liquor store and the enforcer demanded a getaway car, Callahan delivered one. He drove the car through the store's plate glass window and proceeded to shoot the robbers. Conversely, in sudden impact, when he found out the person responsible for a series of murders was a rape victim killing her unpunished rapist that let her go free, indicating that he felt her retribution was justified. Yeah, that was Sandra Locke, and she sucked. Uh, <laughs> he went a step further in Dirty Harry, determined to know the location of a 14-year-old girl, the serial killer Scorpio, uh, which was another gay caballero, had kidnapped and buried alive. He ignored Scorpio's pleas for a doctor and a lawyer and pressed his foot on Scorpio's wounded leg that he shot until he gave up the location from about 100 yards with a handgun. So he's pretty good. Callahan was later informed by a district attorney that due to numerous civil rights violations, much of the evidence against Scorpio was inadmissible and he would be released without charge. Callahan explained his outlook to the mayor, who asked how Callahan ascertained that the man he had shot was intending to commit rape. And he stated, when a naked man is chasing a woman through an alley with a butcher knife and a hard-on, I figure he isn't out collecting for the Red Cross. Yeah, that's pretty much on point. There you go. That's, that's very true. Uh, and, and yes, he, you did hit on the fact that he made that shot with a with a handgun. However, it's not just any handgun. Uh, of course, it's the Smith & Wesson Model 2944 Magnum, uh, which he used in every film except Sudden Impact, I think it was. Correct. He used the yeah, 44 that Automag. That's right, the 44 Automag, yep. which was only well, slightly less cool than the Death Wish uh, Kasool. Uh, that Charles Bronson used, but we'll probably hit his uh, a little bit later. Again, we'll, we'll nerd out a little bit more about guns later. <laughs> side, interesting side note, you actually just purchased that firearm a couple of years ago, and I got to use it, what was it, two years ago? Yep. Uh, it's probably the most fun revolver I think I've ever shot because I was expecting a hell of a lot more recoil, but it also have, has like a 13-inch barrel to it. Only eight and three quarters. Yeah, right. So it's yeah. it's it's an abnormally large handgun, but it 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 gets the point across. Uh, and we we talk a lot about you know firearms and and the tactics using them. We don't talk a lot about like concealed, which is hilarious when you see Harry take his jacket off and you see that his shoulder holster that he's got for this thing touches his hip. And it's sitting up near his armpit, so that just tells you exactly how long the barrel is. 
Now, Dad, the move the first movie came out in 1971, so you you weren't, I don't think, quite old enough to go to the movies yet. Uh, although, would not put it past Grandpa to have taken you there in a car seat. Um, what was the first time you remember seeing Dirty Harry? Uh, the first time actually was Dirty Harry. Um, I remember I wasn't in a car seat because back in them days we didn't use car seats. You just threw the kid in and uh, hope like hell he stayed. Um, we went to the drive-in theater, which is a, a lot of my fond memories. Um, so there you go. So yes, that's that's a stroll down memory lane for you kids that have never heard of a drive-in movie theater and or throwing kids in the car and praying that everything works out. Now, I do remember both of those things, but only slightly, and it's okay. I only drool once or twice, you know, when, you know, the microwave goes on and I piss my pants and forget who I am for a half hour. You were um, in a car seat till you were eight months old when you were uh-huh. big enough to sit up for yourself. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, so that was a Christmas vacation reference for all you folks out there. <laughs> um, so, Dad, I, again, I, I was trying really to figure out who Dirty Harry would go up against because it, it shows throughout the rest of the films that Harry is more than just a, a cop with a big ass gun, that he's actually got a lot of, you know, intelligence and intellect and, and detecting ability. Uh, but he also has a guy. giant gun and he's a sensitive man, of course. Yeah, he is very um, sensitive. Uh, Especially with the females. Yes. Uh, yeah. Unfortunately, none of his partners make it. I think every one of them either get shot and killed or they quit. Uh, I think that was a, a going theory for a long time, if I remember correctly. Um, yeah. One so was blown up with a law rocket. Yeah, that that yeah. tends to happen a lot, uh, yeah. which is why his he probably was best just working alone. Like he he told the the captain he likes to work alone, but it was it probably was a requirement at some point, uh, just actually, because he ran out of people. And Dirty Harry, his Mexican partner, survived. He did. He and, quit. And in Deadpool. His Chinese partner survived. So they all didn't. Didn't he quit? Uh, I don't believe so. I believe he transferred back to the gang unit. Exactly. So he quit. Yeah. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So anyways, yeah, this is what this is. This is like one tenth. We're being polite. Um, So to to, to go up against Jerry and Dirty Harry, Rather, I, I was looking at, okay, who would be another good cop that I have not used? And Jean-Claude Van Damme definitely wouldn't do it. I think no. Arnold Schwarzenegger, maybe Red Heat was close because uh, I've already used him for Last Action Hero. Maybe uh, Sly Stallone or Kurt Russell from Tango and Cash would have been close. But honestly, I was trying to work in a Marvel character that my partner podcast, the Dynamic Duel guys – would not see coming. Uh, and when I said the Punisher, they got all excited. And then I said the Dolph Lundgren version, and both of them had gave me the same thought and question you did. They, Dolph Lundgren made a Punisher? Yes, he did in 1989. Yeah. He did I, not actually have the skull emblem on his chest. He used a knife with a skull emblem because it was too, quote-unquote, violent. That's 1989. Wasn't he in, wasn't he in Castle Grayskull in that one? Well, that was, yeah, he was He-Man. And also yeah. uh, the Russian from Rocky Four. All right, so I will break you. Four, 
Yeah, exactly. I remember that. Yeah. So the 1989 that, version, yeah, that was really good, Dad. I, I thought um, so. <laughs> so the, the 1989 version of The Punisher was was his first um, foray into the character as a as a film. Now, up until that point, Marvel had not done a good job like translating all of their characters over. Like you had the Steve Rogers with the rubber ears, um, uh, really shitty made-for-TV movies, uh, and then the Punisher. I think Dolph Lundgren just decided, "Screw it, I'm going to do this, and it's going to be great." Uh, and he couldn't even film it in America, uh, so he actually had to go and shoot it in Australia, which <laughs> totally makes sense. Um, so they changed his backstory a little bit, I think mostly in order to like say it's not a Marvel movie, um, but they, they weren't able to get away with it completely. So, but for this backstory, uh, Dolph Lundgren plays Frank Castle, a former undercover police detective and U.S. Marine, whose wife, Julie, and it was killed five years ago along with her two daughters by a mafia car bomb intended for Frank, who is also presumed to be dead. Castle has since become the city's most wanted, most mysterious vigilante known only as the Punisher. He now lives in the city's labyrinth sewer system, having assassinated 125 mobs, mobsters, not counting the henchmen, because nobody ever does that in the past five years. So he's doing pretty good work, 125 guys in, in five years, not bad. Uh, his work is known by the use of special throwing knives engraved with a skull. Castle's sole ally in this one-man war against the organized crime is Shake, taken from Shakespeare, uh, a stage performer turned derelict who typically speaks in rhyme. The underworld families have become so weakened by the Punisher's guerrilla warfare that Kingpin Gianni Franco is forced out of retirement. Franco plans to unify the decimated families. However, this attracts the unwanted attention of the Yakuza, Asia's most powerful crime syndicate led by Lady Tanaka. The Yakuza decide to take over the mafia families and all of their interests in order to sway the mobsters to their cause. They kidnap their children and hold them for ransom. Sheikh pleads with the Punisher to save the children who are likely to be sold into Arab slave trade, regardless of whether the mafia gives into their demands. The Punisher attacks the accused of businesses, warning that every day that the children are held in captivity, he will inflict heavy costs on them and property damage. The Yakuza later capture the, the Punisher and Sheikh and attempt to torture them into submission, but the Punisher breaks free and decides the only course of action is direct rescue. He's able to save most of the children and commandeers a bus to get the kidnapped children to safety. However, prior to this, Tommy Franco, the son of Gianni Franco, had been taken away by the by the Yakuza headquarters. When driving the busload of kids, the Punisher runs into a police roadblock and is arrested. While in custody, Castle is reunited with one of his old partners, played by Louis Gossett Jr., for like 15 and a half minutes in this movie. Uh, who warns that his multiple killings will likely get him executed. However, at a later point, Castle is broken out by Franco's men. Franco admits he's bought, brought this on himself and as the hit on Castle's family was an error and persuades the Punisher to help him and save his son. Castle agrees to work with his old enemy for the sake of stopping the accuser from taking root in America. So that is the extremely convoluted and definitely not true to the character at all version of the Punisher that I chose for this. I think Again, I know why I didn't see it now. Yeah, no, it was not a great movie. Probably I think I've, I've watched it twice. It was definitely <laughs> not good. Um, and I watched one of them for the interest of this podcast. So you're welcome to everybody that was wondering how this works. Um, yeah, it was not great. And was there any honestly, case? It's, no. 
and it, then it barely definitely. had any gun gun shooting in this film, and it's a yeah. Punisher movie. Yeah, um, no double B, no double G. It, yeah, you got to have three of the four. Almost twenty years after was when the next Punisher movie was actually made. Um, yeah, it was it was not good. Um, so before we actually get into the simulated battle that we'll pitch, uh, Dad, what I do is I take data points from each of these characters. So how strong versus how fast they are, uh, and then put them into a computer, which is stupid fucking boring, which is the reason why I don't even use the computer system in the podcast. Uh, but I have to explain it that way so that people understand that it's not just me flipping a switch and saying who won. Uh, this is really more so for my co-host to understand that I'm not cheating um, when I <laughs> set this stuff up. Uh, but Gio explains a little bit better for me. So go ahead, Gio. Do you honestly think these idiots would be able to put their biases aside to come up with an answer to who would win? Absolutely not. So they did the next best thing. They stole a probabilistic model that a computer can use from the dynamic dual jamooks. Using this model, the guys input a character's stats, such as strength, fighting style, and most importantly, humor. They run the model 1,000 times to decide a match. But think about listening to a computer do anything. It's stupid boring. So instead, the guys end up simulating a fight in an environment that will undoubtedly put my fifth generation establishment in harm's way. The simulated fight doesn't have any bearing on the results, but I guess to some it's funnier. It, it definitely is a lot funnier than listening to a computer do anything. Yeah. Yeah. Well, at least he's got an accent. He does. Uh, yeah. And it's supposed to be Italian, but it's the computer version. Um, and because this podcast doesn't profit anything, I went with the free uh, software. Uh, so he is, he is as, as Italian as a fake free software can be. Uh, and until yeah. I can hire somebody to do it, it'll be great. I thought you sounded Arabic. It could be. Uh, yeah. Probably Armenian is where you're going. Uh, <laughs> close enough, right? Close enough. It starts with an A. So taking Clint Eastwood at his prime, 1971. So yeah, probably a little after Spaghetti Westerns, but right before he got old. And then Dolph Lundgren in 1989, I, I was able to extrapolate what those data points would be and put them in the computer system. Again, because it'd be really kind of dumb and boring, uh, we're going to put these two characters in, you know, right now New York City, which is not too far away from what they would be doing anyways, considering Callahan would be going ham and probably been arrested and thrown in jail. And the Punisher would have been shot 35,000 times by the police and not the bad guys, because that's how things run in New York City right now. Um, so these two are, are, are in a, in this environment where they, they know that each other are the threat. Now Callahan's going to have his 44 Magnum and he'll also have the switchblade that he taped to his leg. Um, as far as the Punisher, he's got a machine gun. We're just going to say it's, it's an MP5. He doesn't really use it at all. And it's a stupid thing. Um, and then his throwing knives. As you can plainly see, I'm not super excited about this match. Um, so we'll just say that for the for the course of this fight, that's how they are going. Um, because I understand 
limitations on imagination on certain individuals in this. Uh, I'm not going to name <laughs> that would be me. Yeah. Uh, we'll just go ahead and, and throw it out there. That is very likely that both of these characters would shoot each other very quickly. Uh, and therefore it's not exceedingly required, uh, for a simulated fight. Um, but in, in your mind, Dolph Lundgren at that time versus Clint Eastwood, how do you feel like that would go, uh, in, in a fight between these two? I would say Dolph, this is a 44 Magnum, the most powerful handgun <laughs> in the world, and will blow your head clean off. Do you feel lucky? Well, the, he wouldn't respond very well because you can't understand what he says now, and that's after <laughs> all the cocaine that he was on in the 80s, um, which he would probably try to throw a knife at him uh, and then resulting in Callahan probably blowing his head clean off because yeah. uh, it is a very powerful handgun. It is. Um as far as as these two characters, they're as, as street police as you can get. Um, and they also are not very good fighters in anything other than a bar room. Uh, so it's it's very likely that if it were to come down to fat fisticuffs, they would throw each other through windows and doors. Um, but it's unlikely there'd be anything interesting going on from there. Um, so... I'm, I'm not even not even going to attempt it. It's really not even a point. Um, I, do you, do you not remember any which way we lose? Yes, I do, but that's not the same character. Clint Eastwood oh. doesn't get to use his stuff that from other films. The only thing that he's maintained <laughs> from all of his films is that he scowls pretty damn good. And that's why Clint scowl. Eastwood is is the is the man, um, and and always has been. Um. But being that as as it is, if if these two characters were to get into a fight and and destroy half the city, it, it, I doubt that it would be anything greater than what a normal street fight would look, or just normal New York City on on a given day. Um, so, damage from this very likely would be like a one or a two on our on my scale of five. Um, just for the simple fact of unless they both brought explosives or drove a car through the deli, it would be unlikely it'd be any higher than that. Yeah. Agreed. Thanks. I, hey. I appreciate that. I'm in your corner. <laughs> that's, that's, that's what he's here for folks. Um, <laughs> so with that all being said, I did run the numbers for it. Uh, which oh. I know is shocking to everybody. Um, so for the thousand matches, uh, the winner of this week's fight, and again, it should be of no shock, but I, I ran the numbers anyway, uh, was Dirty Harry. Uh, so good job, Dad. You, you, you brought your A game. You actually, you actually brought brought home the the win. Seventy three point eight percent of the time. So out of a thousand matches, seven hundred and thirty eight of them, Callahan would win, uh, which I know you're not shocked by. Not shocked. No, not at all. No. Um, but just kind of looking through it, damage level, Callahan had it just for the simple fact of that he did drive cars through shit, uh, and his and his handguns were definitely way bigger, and he was by far funnier uh, than the Punisher in that, which is always more important to me in this podcast uh, than anything else. And always spoke uh, about an accent. Yes. Yes. Yeah, I don't think Clint Eastwood ever tried to do any accent. 
No. No. <laughs> even even in maybe, the Italian movies. Maybe Southern. I don't even think that. I, I, I honestly don't think the man ever. He was he was like Sean Connery in any film that he did. Like I, he's going to go and be a Russian submarine captain and speak with a Scottish accent, and nobody gave him shit because it was Sean Connery. It was Sean Connery. Who's going to give Sean Connery shit? Yeah. So I feel yeah. like Clint Eastwood probably had the same thing going. Yeah, he's ninety three, and I still wouldn't give him shit. No. 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 Definitely no. not. No. Um. Kind of like your grandfather. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely like grandpa. He, yeah. He, on, on a bad day, it's still, yeah, just don't. It's, it's best <laughs> not to, not to even worry about it. No, no, we don't go there. All right. Um, so before we get out of here, uh, I'll go ahead and give my audience uh, the, this next week's uh, week, weekly audience mashup, which. Wham. Wham. Yeah, wham. <laughs> Weekly audience matchups. See, that's, that's how we get things done in the business, Dad. It's uh, uh, acronyms and how that works. Right? Uh, <laughs> all right. So this next week, because we were working with, with police and, and, uh, and not, not ex- exactly exciting, I'm going with uh, Private Ryan from Save It Private Ryan. Uh, so of course that's Matt Damon's character from Saving Private Ryan. Matt uh, what, Damon. Yes. Yeah. What what uh what movie character somebody would put up against him? Uh, definitely is going to be low on my list of of characters to do. However, those are usually my funniest when I get people Maybe to ben respond Affleck. on it. Yeah. So it'll yeah. be a lot of like Pearl Harbor jokes because uh, <laughs> that's it doesn't get much yeah. better than that. So, no. yes, we'll, we'll put Private Ryan up there and, and see where he goes. So throw out on our Instagram and our Twits and all the other podcasting versions uh, that you listen to us on. Throw your uh, audience matchup on there, and I will read them on the air next week. As far as next week's uh, duel, uh, have not actually nailed that one down, so I kind of can't wait to see what happens we have four or five different going on, but I've got like four or five different co-hosts that may be on. So we will figure that out as we go. I will drop that in the social medias next week as well. Um, I think that about does it. Dad, I, I know you really enjoyed it. There was not as much boobs in this one as, as I'm sure you wish there were. No, no. But I will say, yeah, eat a lot of cake. <laughs> yes, eat a lot of yeah. cake, and we will end it there, um, folks. Please come back and listen. Uh, it, it's going to get better from here, I promise. Uh, it can't get much worse, uh, and that's that's coming from me. So, I uh, can't wait to to see you guys next week. Uh, more than likely, uh, will be a movie review in two weeks, but we will see what happens there. Uh, and we are out. Thank mm-hmm. you.